0: All right, Acts chapter 4 is where we're at tonight, and um, when I was went to study for this message yesterday, for some reason I thought we'd already done Acts chapter 4, and I just went right to chapter 5, started studying it, put a message together. I was so excited about preaching it because I, I just saw some things I never put together before, some connections I ever made, and then all of a sudden I went in, to save my notes and I noticed Acts 1, 2, and 3, and I was like, I haven't done 4 yet. And then I was so ready to preach chapter five, but I'm excited about chapter four too, but I'm, I'm just, I'm more excited about chapter five just because, um, I'm, I noticed some things that I hadn't seen before where, um, a lot of what I've been teaching lately about just, I've been studying a lot about what the Jews were supposed to do and that they failed to do and why the kingdom was taken from them. I've been talking a lot about that lately. And there's some things that I noticed in chapter 5 that really just are things that we really know, but it really put a lot of stuff in perspective uh, about the teachings of Christ and uh, just showing uh, what they did. So I I was really fired up. I was so ready to preach Acts chapter 5, but I got to preach 4 first. So it's just the way it works. Got to go in order. But uh, there's some good stuff in here, too, that really kind of, you know, preaching chapter 4, too, it's going to set things up even better for chapter 5. So... Anyway, this stuff definitely needed to get covered to make chapter 5 even better, I think. So verse 1 says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. And notice again, they're preaching at the temple. They're still trying to get Israel to repent. And it's very important that we fully understand what was going on and just kind of the setup during this time and the situation that was going on, because uh, major changes are about to take place in the next chapter that are very significant, that really shake things up in Israel. And what we see here in chapter 4 is kind of the beginnings of it. You know, we see things get shaken up here in chapter 4, but something happens in chapter 5 that I think we just kind of take for granted. As New Testament believers, we see something take place, That had not happened in Israel before, and it is one of the reasons things really got crazy the way they did. But we're seeing the beginnings of it here in chapter 4. And so some things you've got to understand about this time that we're in is the Jews, they were not a united people, um, much like Christians of today. A lot of times, you know, we just think of the Jews and we assume they were all just kind of united. And about the only thing they united on is that they hated Jesus and they hated the Christians that's about the only thing they were united on. But the truth is, they were a very divided people. You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were always fighting with each other. You had the zealots that are, that are mentioned in the Bible that were uh, they were kind of a crazy bunch. They were the anti-government people. They were the ones that we would have been a part of, probably, if we'd have been back there during that time. And they were always wanting and uh, plotting rebellions and things like that. That's kind of, and um, we only see a few references to them. But if you actually study history, they're a pretty interesting group. They were bad too, but I like them the best, okay, that they, even, even though they were bad. But what we have now, and, or with all those groups, okay, they all had claim or to the temple, or at least their claim to the temple was honored and respected because of the fact they were all Jews. And so even though there wasn't agreement, you know, other Jews recognized the fact that they were Jews, but, you know, they all kind of had their own thing that they did. And it's the same thing too, even amongst religions today. Now we don't have any type of earthly headquarters today, do we? We don't have that. And that's very clearly laid out in the new Testament. We don't have anything like that, but at the same time too, you know, we recognize the fact that, you know, Baptists aren't the only people going to heaven. There are other people out there. there There's some Bible churches out there where they got some saved people in it, you know, and we hate to admit it, but it's true. They're our brothers. We don't like them very much. We don't get along with them very well because, you know, they don't have the right kind of music. They don't have the right standards. They're not using the right Bible a lot of times. But, you know, you talk to these people and they're professing faith in Christ. Once saved, always saved. And it's like, yeah, you're my brother, I guess. <laughs> you know? But uh, and so we're, we're still kind of like that today. Now, uh, you know, we've not all been called to have this universal church today. And I'm thankful for that. I'm glad we have local churches so we don't have to put up with a lot of that junk. But understand, it was kind of the same thing back then. It was just more local. So even though there were major disagreements, I mean, you have the Pharisees who believe in a resurrection and a spirit, and angel. You have Sadducees who don't. You know, so they don't get along with each other. But at the same time, okay, you're Pharisees. It's kind of like you know, Republicans and Democrats today. Okay? You've got your Republicans and Democrats. They don't like each other. But at the same time, too, you know, we all say they're kind of the same, too. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're definitely all a part of the problem. They're, you know, they're definitely all a part of the government. And you know what? And even they will admit we're all Americans, right? And so it's kind of the same thing that we have going on. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're kind of the ones that are in power during this time. And just like, and, you know, they're always fighting for power. But as long as the status quo kind of remains the same, and as long as they're not majorly losing their people to one of the other groups, things will remain relatively peaceful, physically speaking. But if somebody starts to tip the scales, that's when it's going to get ugly. And it's the same thing today in politics. You know, it's, you know, it's okay, Republicans, Democrats, as long as the elites of the republicans maintain their positions of power they're fine as long as the democrats maintain their position of power they're fine but boy if somebody comes along and gets too independent you know watch them unite with each other and you know it it, it's very similar okay and so it's kind of the same thing during this time so it's something we ought to relate to but now we have so there were different sects of the Jews. And now this new movement of followers of Jesus, they're not called Christians yet. It was really just kind of seen at first as another sect of Judaism. That's pretty much how they saw it. They're still meeting at the temple together. They're not being ran out. I mean, you know, the temple asked for Jews. Well, these people are Jews. And that's the most important thing to these other people. As long as you're Jew, you're fine So they let them have a place at the the table. And, you know, and they didn't, I don't, you know, and while they didn't like them, just like Republicans and Democrats don't like the independents, you know, and they don't like the libertarians, you know, as long as they don't go and mess up the status quo, we're not going to have that big of a problem. And as long as these Christians, you know, as long as they don't mess things up for us, you know, we're not going to like you, but we'll leave you alone. And I thought of this tonight is how to escalate persecution how to escalate persecution, because I was going to say it right now, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. The reason the persecution got started on the church is because they started being successful in making a difference. They started shaking up the status quo. And that was a big no, no there. And so they went from just being in another annoying group of Jews to a people that we've got to eliminate, a people that we've got to get rid of. And this happened because they were successful, because they were making a difference. and so they, But they weren't being denied access to the temple, because remember, it's still all Jews during this time. So what we're seeing happening now in this new sect, in the minds of the Sadducees specifically, the, this new sect is getting too strong, and they've got to contain them Because they feared losing influence and control over the people. Because notice in verse 1, it was the Sadducees that came upon them, right? Right now, it's just the Sadducees. They're the ones that get upset. In verse 2, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And again, to just kind of help illustrate in our minds what's going on, the resurrection, it was a doctrine that always triggered the Sadducees. And so that it's kind of like the abortion issue. That triggers the Democrats. Now, we know the Republicans don't really give a rip, you know, and they pander to us and act like they're against it. But at the same time, you know, the Democrats, they've always kind of got they've gotten what they wanted with that. But imagine if all of a sudden a new group came along that could potentially tip things to the other side, you know, to one of the Republican sides. And it's amazing, too, how many things that they... You know, how, you know, the things that we believe in, or even the things that Republicans don't believe in, but they like always want to put us in the Republican party, you know, because there's a couple things we agree with them on. And even though Republicans don't like people like us either, you know, the libtards, they make it seem like we're Republicans, even though we're repulsed by them. And so it's kind of the same thing. This new sect that comes along, they're kind of like them Pharisees. They're preaching the resurrection. And that's where there was the big fight between those two. And so I think it freaked them out because they're thinking they're tipping the scales where now more people are going to be believing in the resurrection than believe there is no resurrection. So this is why the Sadducees are so upset at first. But, you know, trust me, if a new political party came along that was against abortion, if they started taking power from the Republicans, guess what? Republicans are going to hate on them too. And it's just a matter of time, and the Pharisees are going to be all over the Christians too. Because again, it's not about, it wasn't about the resurrection and the truth of that. It's about them maintaining their power. That's what it was always about, and that was why they hated Jesus so much. Too many people were following him. He was too successful in his ministry, so they had to eliminate him. So, in verse, or so the, the, um, verse 3 so it says, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now tide. So now we're seeing persecution get ramped up. Okay? And it started at first, you know, in the previous chapters, it mainly started with them just speaking against them. Okay. And that's all, you know, we consider that persecution when everybody's talking trash about us. You know, we've had some persecution with people talking trash and people trying to get us silenced, but at the same time, you know, it's never gotten physical with us yet, you know, here at this church, but a lot of places it has, even in the last couple of years where, you know, the government's even shutting churches down and stuff. But uh, it, right now, though, it's getting ramped up because, again, it's growing. They're too successful. They got to do something, and now they are physically restraining him, them. Verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed And the number of the men was about 5,000. So again, even so the persecution comes now to where it's getting physical, where they're locking these guys up, but it didn't matter the message had gotten out there. And 5,000 people, folks, this was more than at Pentecost. 5,000 people have now joined this new sect of Jews. And that's a problem. Numbers like that, we had 3,000 at Pentecost. We've got 5,000 now. That's going to start tipping the scales. That's going to start messing up the status quo. That's going to start making some people that are in power and respected with the Sadducees probably lose their place and lose their position and lose the benefits and things that they're getting. So they've got to do something about it. So now they're physically trying to stop them. And, you know, that's where it eventually is going to come to. You know, they'll put up with our crazy beliefs at first. They'll say things against us. They'll do what they can to try to silence us. But you know what? If we keep being successful, if we keep making a difference, we start shaking things up too much. Eventually they're going to be like, we can't have this. And You know what they're going to do? It's going to get physical. You know, I was, um, you know, yesterday I was listening to the radio and I heard something come across the radio that was actually good news. And I was like, and then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, Actually, that isn't really good news. But the thing I heard on the radio that I thought was good news when I heard it was that hate groups against LGBTQ plus people are on the rise in the United States. And I was like, all right, you know, we're, we're coming around. But, the, but then, then they went on to say, and the reason for it, and I was waiting for it, because of all these people on the Internet, you know, spread, <laughs> spreading all these lies about them. I was hoping they were going to say that, but no, they said it was because of anti-LGBT um, laws and things from the Republicans. I'm like, are you kidding me? What, what have they done against these people? But they're acting like it's the government's against them. Because, again, the solution is always, you know, government, do more for us. So they've got to make Republicans feel like they're not doing enough for them when they're doing way too much for them. You know, and I've been seeing people, too, acting like, you know, anti-LGBT preachers are like these Trump MAGA people. It's like, we hate Trump. He's the one, you know, waving the pride flag around. You know how repulsed we were by that? We do not see him as an ally in this fight. But, you know, then I realized, you know why the groups are on the rise? Because they are putting... More and more people they're listing more and more places as that, because we are listed as a hate group of folks we're not any kind of new phenomenon. You know what we, you know what they used to call churches like ours, Baptist churches, and before that, you know what they call them Christian churches. <laughs> you know what they called before that normal people. So the thing is, what they're, what they're doing is they're just classifying more and more groups. I mean, if, you're, if you love the Constitution, you're a hate group. I mean, so I got to thinking about it, and I'm like, we're not making any ground. <laughs> they're just labeling more and more things bad. That's all, that, that's all there is to it. So I, that, that good feeling went away real fast. But anyway, but it felt good. For the few seconds I was duped, (laughs) until I got to thinking about it. But you know, but again, we do. We, you know, if we can make a difference, if we're changing people's minds, they are. That's when they're going to get. They're going to keep getting stricter. They're going to keep getting crazier. And um, you know, it's it's coming. All right, things are not turning around uh, like the person on the radio thought they were. So verse five says, and it came to pass in the morrow that their rulers. And elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked by what power and by what or by what name have ye done this? So notice that we have they've got the high level people now. They've got the high priest. They've got the Levites. These are the people that pull a lot of weight. These are the ones in charge. And so now they've got these uh, disciples or apostles. They've got them bound. They're bringing them before them. And they want to know what authority they have to do the things that they're doing. They did not like being showed up because with the miracles that we see happen with uh, impotent man in the previous chapter, they're being showed up. How come you guys aren't doing miracles? Why can't the Sadducees do any miracles? Why can't even the high priest do any miracles? We've got these lowly, ignorant fishermen they're doing miracles. Sounds like they were with Jesus. That's what, that's what it sounds like. They're being showed up. And so they, they wanted them... Uh, you know, they thought they had already eliminated Jesus in their minds and hoped that would stop them. But the truth is, they eliminated Jesus physically, but He rose again from the dead. And then He went back to heaven. And you know what He did? He came back through the Comforter that He sent And you know what? Because he went to his Father, remember what Jesus said? You'll do even greater works. So, I mean, if you think Jesus stirred things up, now that Jesus has ascended to the Father and the Holy Spirit's come, things are really about to get stirred up. And that's exactly what we see going on. Jesus is doing a work here. And he's doing it through the disciples. And so it says in verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And you know what? Just take note the difference in the things Peter would say when he was filled with the Holy Ghost than when he was filled with himself. Because let me tell you, when Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost, he had some good stuff to say, didn't he? So guess who we're going to give glory to for all that good preaching that we heard from Peter? We're giving glory to God, which is what we're supposed to do. And that's why we should always want to be filled with the Holy Ghost in our preaching and not with the flesh. And it says, and if, this, if we this day be examined... "...of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, uh, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And we see these men, anytime they would get on trial, anytime they would stand before any kind of crowd, they use it as an opportunity to just preach Jesus. Peter's not even really worried about defending himself right here. You know what he did? Hey, I got an audience. I got the top guys here. You know what I'm doing? I'm preaching Jesus. He didn't go full Billy Graham and say, you know what? I want to make sure I get more opportunities to speak to the dignitaries. So you know what? It's time to go real soft. It's time to compromise. It's time to lie. And make everybody feel good. Nope, that's not what these guys did, and that's why they kept getting thrown into prison. That's why they kept being persecuted. That's why they kept being uh, put, ended up being put to death. Unlike Billy Graham, who was honored by the Pharisees and the Sadducees at his death at the Capitol. Big difference between the likes of Billy Graham and the disciples. And so they uh, and notice too, Peter quoted the Old Testament to show the authority for what he was preaching. First off, he used the name of Jesus because you know what Jesus said before he left? All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. You better believe they had some authority behind what they said. Now, the, that, did the Jews recognize that authority? Folks, did, did the Jews recognize the authority that, of Jesus Christ? No, they did not. Now, let me ask you, how did that work out for them? Go read about 70 A.D didn't work out very well, did it? Not at all. You know what? Does our world, does our community, do they always recognize the authority that we have when we go out soul winning? Do cops always recognize the authority that we have going out soul winning? But you know what? How's that going to work out for them? Not good. And ladies and gentlemen, I just, I've been enjoying studying these passages and watching over and over again. These guys just did, I don't even want to call it disobey. You know, they're just obeying Jesus. But it was perceived as disobedience to the people who thought they were in power, who did not recognize the right power. They thought it was disobedience, but no, these guys are just obeying Jesus Christ and they had the right, they had the authority and these other people were the ones that were out of line. And so um, the, the reference that Peter brought up about the stone that the builders rejected is the exact passage that Jesus brought up after he came on the day of visitation, on that day of reckoning that was prophesied would come, when Jesus came to the temple to check up on the people to see what they had done. When he came and checked up, and he said, "It, it, he, it was bad." He told them it was going to be the kingdom was going to be taken. He said in Mark twelve ten, "And have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner." This was the Lord's doing. It was marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people for they knew that, that he had spoken the parable against them and they left him and went their way. And, and so, and that parable that he did was about them, the kingdom being taken from him and given to another nation. So Jesus preached that same thing. And Peter's reminding of it. The stone that the builders rejected was Jesus Christ. And you did this and you are in trouble and you better repent. And then verse 13. Now, when they saw the sweetness of Peter and John, when they heard their nice guy voice, no, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, you know, it's amazing how many people we have today trying to wow us and trying to impress us with their knowledge and their education and they all have effeminate voices too. And we're all supposed to just listen to these guys. Because they're smarter than us. Because they, they, they know more Greek words than we do. And they're always effeminate. These soft-spoken types. Lauding their education. God used bold, ignorant fishermen. But guys that were filled with the Holy Ghost. That, that's who he used. You know, I'm going to follow people like that. You know what? I'm gonna follow. I'd rather follow some of these crazy King James only I.V. preachers that aren't don't sound that intelligent, but are very godly people, whose lives actually represent what I see, uh, a, 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 or how a Christian is supposed to be, in their life. I'm gonna to listen to those guys over these other guys that look kind of like homos, sound kind of like homos, bragging on their education, and are not patterning their lives after the bible at all you know and so at the end of the day i don't want to get on a king james argument but let me tell you right now to me one of the best evidence of the king james only doctrine is the fruit of the kjv only people versus the non-kjv only people you know you show me you show me a group better than the kjv only people i might join them but folks are not there It's, it's, it's amazing the difference. And so the fruit is very important and that, you know, everybody, the first thing they do when they dump the KJV is they want to go Calvinist. That tells me we've got to stick with the KJV right there, because I know that's not true. But anyway, that's just a little bonus point there. But it says in verse 13, again, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, proceed their unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And man, if people would... You know, that's what needs to happen when people look at us. Whether they like Jesus or don't like Jesus. The guys, are a lot, they're a lot like Jesus. They must be followers of Jesus. This was a great testimony for these men right here. And now these... You know, these people didn't see it as a good thing, but this was a good thing. It says, Beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. Now... A couple of interesting things here, and I, I, I don't want to get too much ahead in the next week's lesson, but notice how they couldn't they have the impotent man or the formerly impotent man standing there with them and it says they couldn't say anything against it. Okay? Well, first of all, uh, you know what does that mean? Because again, I mean sure enough, the guy's healed. You know, what are you gonna say about that? But here's another thing that I think we forget about this. And but this guy, because of his physical condition, before he was healed, he wasn't able to go into the temple. He was being rejected by those in the temple. And we see that, you know, during that time when Jesus came on that day of reckoning, they were shutting people out. That was what he was so upset about. He was shutting people out. And so now, We have a guy who before was shut out because he wasn't, you know, he's one of these crippled. We can't have him coming in and defiling our temple. But the thing is now they can't say anything about him because he's not crippled anymore. He's not defiled. So it's like, I know we used to shut you out, but we don't have a reason to anymore. And the truth is they shouldn't have been doing it before that anyway. And I'm telling you, you know, chapter five gets me a little bit excited when we see something that's going on, especially in light of certain parables. But don't preach chapter 5. Don't preach chapter 5. I want to preach chapter 5. But anyway, so it says um, in verse, where were we? Uh, 15. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. And you know what? If people are going to speak against us, it needs to be a lie. Do you know there's no rewards for suffering for sin? And listen, these guys, they suffered but they suffered for the cause of Christ. They suffered for godliness. They suffered for righteousness' sake. And you know, one thing I hate more than anything is listening to Christians act like they are suffering for the cause of Christ when they're suffering for their own wickedness and when they're suffering for their own sin. It says in 1 Peter 4.14, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit and glory and of God resteth upon you, On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. This is what Peter's one writing this, and in Acts, Peter's the one that's dealing with this. Peter, what Peter is writing here, he knew from experience. He had experienced this very thing. But then he goes on to say, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And you know what? I'm fine with people saying bad things about me as long as it's for righteousness' sake, for godliness' sake. It's because of the truth that I'm preaching. But if it's is me being wicked and I'm people are talking against me, I don't get to claim you know, righteous persecution. I don't get to claim rewards in heaven. No. I'm wicked. That's why I'm suffering. And so here's the thing. There's going to be suffering in life. We might as well shoot for suffering that will get us rewards rather than... You know, because there, there's there are no rewards for suffering for being wicked, and it is it is very revolting when people are going through hard times, you know, because they're stupid, and then they're like, well, oh, this is part of being a Christian. No, that's that's part of being an idiot. Okay? That that's what that is. And if you're an idiot, you're always going to suffer, and so you just need to start doing right, and then you know, maybe your life won't be so bad. But anyway. Because again, too, the person who's doing it for righteousness sake, they're going to be happy. They're not going to be miserable, woe is me, everybody's picking on me. You know, because that's not how they think. They're happy. They're rejoicing, and that's what we're going to see these disciples do. They rejoice because they they understood uh, that they were right. And so verse 16 says, and so after they're conferring among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed, a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, right here is how you become a reprobate. Right here is how you become a reprobate. They know the truth and are full on rejecting the truth. Well, I mean, they're literally saying among themselves, there's no doubt a miracle was done here. We've been keeping that guy out of the temple for years. And there's nothing wrong with him now. He's not defiled anymore. He walks just as good as the rest of us. These guys have been with Jesus. This is a notable miracle. Anybody who sees what these guys are doing is going to know it's the truth. And instead of them saying, you know what? What do we need to do to be saved? You know what they did? They said, we got to get rid of them. They said in verse 17, but that it spread no further among the people let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. That's what they did. And that right there is a quick way to become a reprobate. When you are presented the truth, you need to accept it. You do not want to reject truth. That'll get you in a lot of trouble. And so these people, they were more worried about power than they were truth. This is proof that everything we're seeing going on here, it was, they feared losing power. These Christians are messing up the status quo that they had. And they're like, we've got to stop this. It wasn't about truth. These people, they were hirelings. These people were wolves. They did not care about the sheep. Folks, they did not care about the sheep. And I'm telling you, the, the parables lately for me in my Bible study are coming to life like never before. I just, uh, I, you know, there are so many parables. I, I, we don't even have time that we could go to But, you know, for example, all right, you know, when Jesus talked about a shepherd, how he, how he binds up the sheep, how he helps the sheep, these people, they see one that was wounded. They just cast it aside. It had no value to them. You know why? Because they had no love for the sheep. But folks, we're seeing a a change here with these Christians. Something that the Jews weren't getting done, which was just loving the brethren. The Jews were not doing that at all. We're seeing this new group of people, this new sect who has the holy spirit, this new sect that are born of God, who I mean who know the father and the son, they're showing love for people. They're showing love for people the way God always wanted and he never could get it from the Jews. He was never able to get it from them, but you know what? He's getting it from this new this new group. What God had been looking for in Israel there, God is now finding it with this new group, with this new sect of Jews. And when I say new sect of Jews, I'm saying that in the, that's what it was in the minds of these people in that day of Israel. So verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot speak the things which we have. Or we cannot speak the things which we have seen and heard, or our but speak. I'm sorry, I'm saying that wrong. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them, because of the people, for all men glorified God, for that was done. For the man was above forty years old, on whom this miracle of healing was showed so these guys they just basically said listen we're only gonna be able to speak the things we've seen and heard we're gonna tell the truth that's all there is to it and so they did they just further threatened them and they would have done something to them if they could have gotten away with it but you know what things hadn't shifted enough yet where they could do that and let me tell you there's a lot of people in this country there's a lot of people in leadership that would love to shut us down if they could if they, if they had the power, can you imagine if the Ocasio-Cortezes took over the government? Folks, if, if that was all there was, we would have to go in hiding at that point. If Joe Biden, you know, thankfully, you know, people don't understand a president is not a king. If Joe Biden just got everything he wanted, we would be silenced. We would be physically restrained. J.B. Pritzker, I've been hearing talk that he might be running for president. Mm. but uh, they were talking about that on the radio today i'm like are you serious you big pathetic failure after what you have done to the state you think you can help the country and the thing that bothers me the most is there might be people stupid enough to vote that guy in let him ruin the whole country instead of just the state you know un- unbelievable but we know if people like him were in power we'd be done But thankfully, it's not there yet. There's still some restraints, you know, by people who aren't as bad as he is. And Israel's bad during this time, but they're not all as bad as the Sadducees. But, you know what, just give it time because these guys stir things up enough where they do, they unite and then it does, it gets, it gets real ugly. And, and said, you know, our government's bad enough. Now we're too, you know, we're too successful. I don't know. We might be able to turn the country back a little bit. I don't know, but it might just get turned into a full-on bloodbath. And it, 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 I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We cross that line where there's a chance of bringing it back, but uh, I don't. Know, I think bloodbaths probably more likely. But it's coming either way. We've read Revelation, but they, they did these men. They completely disregarded the earthly authority of these men because the authority of God was greater. They submitted to the higher power. And in reality, these people were only abusing their authority because of the fact they were actually violating the scriptures. Because the Bible is very clear that when that prophet came like unto Moses, they were supposed to listen to him. So these priests, they did not have the authority to do this, yet they were doing it anyway. Just like our government did not have the authority to shut down churches and to lock down our state for as long as he did, but he did it anyway. You know, he, he, even though he violated the Constitution. And thankfully, too, all the places that were finding churches, you know, uh, those things all got overturned. Even in California, right? even in California, the one place we can look at and feel good about ourselves is Illinoisans. Right? That place, um, you know, all the fines and things they did against um, Golden State or Jack Trevor's church, those things got thrown out. You know what? Because it, it was. It was unlawful. It was wrong what they did. It violated the Constitution, and I'm glad that, I'm glad that happened. That, that shouldn't have happened. It never, it, but you know what? They tried. But the restraint was there, and uh, they're doing everything they can to remove that so they can get their way next time. But we don't have to listen to an abusive government that is violating the Constitution. And, uh, and you said, man, that's terrible. Folks, that's in our Constitution. We don't have to do that, and uh, we're not going to. It's verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Woe is us. We got picked on again. We're being persecuted for the cause of Christ. No, it says, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, "...who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done." And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. You know what they did after this persecution, this, this first physical persecution that the church dealt with? is they comforted themselves with the fact that everything that happened was prophesied. And Jesus warned them. He warned them that these things were going to come. He said, I'm not telling you these things to discourage you, but it's just so you'll know that I told you it was going to happen. So they, that he, Jesus didn't want them thinking something was wrong and that God's will wasn't being done. That's why he warned them these things were going to come. And it was even prophesied in Psalms 2. And this is just my opinion. Okay, this is my opinion, if I may insert my opinion. But when they came back, when they all assembled together, when they were all with one accord, they did some praying, they did some rejoicing, and they went to Psalms 2, which was a psalm. And you know what? I personally think they started singing. I think think they were singing. I think they sang Psalms 2. I wish I knew what the tune was. Uh, But I I believe, I I think that's probably what they started doing. I think they started going and it's like, you know, they're they're praying and then they just did. They lifted up their voice with one accord. They're doing it together and they just started singing Psalms 2. And they had a good time. And if you know what, if these Christians, if they would have just not made so much noise, if they would have just done their own thing, they would have left them alone. But you know what? That's not what Christians do. Okay? And this is what people need to figure out. Okay? We've got this attitude in America today that we need to respect all opinions. We need to respect all religions. We need to respect everyone's beliefs, blah, 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 blah. Hey, listen, that's fine if the government wants to just leave everyone alone and let people decide for themselves. But let me tell you something. We as believers, as Christians, as the church, it is our job. It is who we are. It is our religious practice to spread the gospel. It is our job. It is our practice. It is who we are to preach repentance. We tell the truth and we do it because we believe there is a place called hell. Listen, if we wanted, we could, we could just have our own social club. If we wanted to, we could just shut everyone out and not allow people to come be a part of us. You know, we got our own group. We're comfortable. You know, we have a good time. You know we don't want to deal with more problems we don't really want to deal with you know getting new converts in and have to deal with all their baggage you know what let's just be comfortable with our own group let's just keep quiet let's not stir anything up we'll do something for the mayor every once in a while let's you know bring in the cops and the firemen and have a little feel good session Uh, let's feed them meals let's go to garage sales and give them all five dollars you know let's do pretty little trendy cute door hangers Let's not disturb people by knocking on their door. You know, people get mad at that sometimes. But folks, we can't do that. Because a part of what we believe, we believe these people are on their way to hell because of their sin. And they need to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, but they're already religious. They got a Mary statue. They got a Mary statue. I know. And those people, those Mary statues, think you have to work your way to heaven. They're on their way to hell too. And I know it makes people mad. Well, I already go to a church, but then we proceed to tell them about the gospel. I know that church you mentioned. It's terrible. They they do not teach salvation by faith. Folks, we have no choice but to shake things up. We have no choice but to stir things up, to change people's minds. And the more successful we are, the more it's going to get people mad at us. You know, what do you think is going to happen when we start getting all the Catholics around here saved? And they all start coming here instead of over there priest's probably going to say some stuff, and you know, and he's probably got a little more pool and power with uh, government officials on, than we do. None of you all are on the city council or anything like that. They're probably going to start messing with us, and they do that kind of thing all the time in churches. And you know, it's, it, it's it's part of it. And the more successful we are, the more likely these things are bound to happen. You know, and thankfully, I will say too, you know, with as many issues as our area has, you know, it is you know, we do have decent people in leadership that have no desire to mess with churches. And, you know, I I think we're a long way from dealing with that kind of stuff here. But you never know. Things are changing fast, you know, in this world and even in this community. We're seeing more and more freak shows every day. And I'm pretty sure they're importing all these people from the city. Uh, You know, I really do. I'm sure we're home-growing some of our own, you know, through all the junk they're teaching in the uh, public schools. But verse 32 it says in the multitude of the men that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all, neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them, and brought the price of the things that were sold, and they laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And I think this is one of the things that really stirred things up too, because now people are giving their offerings to this group instead of to the temple. And that probably really got things going and why we're going to see some of the problems we see in chapter 5. And again, what we see going on here, this is what this church decided to do. This is what the people chose to do. This is not a command that we've all got to sell everything we have and give it to the church. And we could use some good offerings right now. I wouldn't mind preaching that right at the moment. But, you know, I I can't really do that. But at the same time, I do believe that the Holy Spirit led these people to do this. And we talked about this last week. They didn't lose anything because what they had wasn't going to last anyway because destruction was coming. But, folks, think about this. What they did, and there's no doubt, this was a great deal of money that was brought to them. And here's the thing too. Financially speaking, this hurt them because it wasn't long later and a great famine came and the Apostle Paul, he's taken a collection for the poor saints that are in Jerusalem. Who do you think those people were? Probably some of these people that gave all their stuff away. But you know what? We They are still earning rewards for the work that they invested in. What they... What they invested in that day was the start of the spreading of the gospel that very quickly ended up going out into the whole world. And we are all beneficiaries of what they did. We are still benefiting. They are still racking up rewards and souls for what was given during that time. If they would have held on to it, it would have lasted another 30 some years at the most. But you know what? A work is being done for over two or for 2,000 years now. And those rewards, they're going to get to enjoy it for all eternity. You know, think about it. The Jews, they were so worried about hanging on to that inheritance. That inheritance that God promised to Abraham. They said, it's ours. We're going to maintain this land. And you know what? They lost it all. They, they lost it all. That rich man, that rich young ruler that came to Jesus, he wasn't willing to give give away the things that he had. And think about it. Eventually, he lost it all where these people they gave all and remember what Jesus said about hundredfold in the kingdom of heaven and these people are going to get to enjoy it for all eternity. Talk about an inheritance. This first century group of Jews that stayed true to their religion and held on to their inheritance because they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they got a great eternity coming for them. And and you know what? I don't think that was a big sacrifice being poor for another 30 some years at the most, but they're going to have riches for all eternity that we probably can't even imagine. So I believe the Holy Spirit led them to do this right here. And so the Holy Spirit leads you to do something like that. We won't say nothing. All right, we'll we'll, we'll get excited about it, but I'm not going to tell you biblically you have to do this. I don't think that's the case. And so verse 36, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, in the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So this was big. A rich guy giving all his money to the apostles. And Barnabas, he was he was a man who not only did he give all his possessions, but you know what? He gave his life. He also worked. He traveled with Paul. A lot of the work that Paul did, we often credit Paul for a lot of things that have been done for the Gentiles, but Barnabas was a co-worker of his for a long time. And you know what? Barnabas is still reaping rewards to this day. For all that he gave during that time. There's no doubt what he did. This was a big thing that probably got a lot of people's attention. Whoa, Barnabas gave everything he had to the Christians? That would have gotten attention. And I think it probably motivated a lot of people. But you know what? Well, I don't believe he did this for one second for any vainglory. I don't, I don't believe that at all. There were some among them who were motivated by that type of thing, vainglory. Because people were probably talking. And people are probably talking. We shouldn't be that way. We should be excited about the poor person who gives just like the rich person that gives, but people don't typically talk about that. But people were probably talking about this. And you know what we're going to see at the beginning of the next chapter is really the first major sin in this new Reformed church. Uh, these people, they saw that with Barnabas. like, you know what? I'd kind of like some of that attention too. And you all know what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. Some, uh, Sapphira and we'll talk about that next week. But... Right there, that was the beginning of persecution. And there is no doubt what initiated this persecution was they were successful. They made a difference. There's a lot of missionaries today that are in parts of the world where, you know, in in reality, if they were successful, they would get ran out of that country. But they typically go over there and they don't make any noise at all. It kind of doesn't seem very biblical. To me, and I do. I always wonder about. It, Wait, how can you? And, and I've talked to some before. They're like, "You're fine. The government will leave you alone as long as people don't start converting your religion." I'm just like, "Okay, so then why are you even there? Just to, minute, you know, you know, just to get the groups that call themselves Christians already saved right?" I, it seems like the whole point is 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 converting people. And so the thing is. A lot of them never get any persecution because they never have any success. But, you know, watch one of these people. Sometimes these people are so lame, it makes me so mad. I just wish God would start a revival with them anyway, just so they would get persecuted. (laughs) Just to teach them a lesson. But uh, that's my carnal mind thinking. But you know what? We want to make a difference. We want to shake things up. It's our job. It's what we're supposed to do. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord... I pray this message was a help and encouragement to everyone. I pray, Lord, You'll help us to uh, make a difference, Lord. Help us not to suffer as an evildoer just because we're wicked, Lord. But if we're going to suffer, let it be for righteousness' sake, uh, knowing that there are rewards for that. Help us to uh, be motivated, Lord, with love and uh, a real desire to see souls saved and lives changed. In Your name we pray. Amen.